This is Teresa from Santosha Yoga. I'm Cindy Chase. And I'm Penny Carroll. Welcome, Welcome to, to Mindful, Mindful Moments. Moments. Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is Teresa. This is Cindy. And we, we are part of Mindful Moments, and we're Zooming this podcast. So if you hear a little bit of over-talking, actually, I think we're all used to over-talking now through Skype and Zoom and all those other things. So um, yeah, no big deal. No big deal. So um, we've come together Monday, Monday, Sunday is... Mother's Day, May 10th. Right. Yeah, May 10th is Mother's Day. So um, Penny had suggested that we kind of use that as our theme. So welcome. Yeah. Nice to see you guys. <clears throat> nice to see your faces too. <laughs> In need of haircuts. <laughs> haircuts, hair dye. All of the all above. That, yeah, all those things that you would do for yourself for Mother's Day, you know, mani pedis and hair and spas and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, oh, I can't do any of that. Gosh darn it. But yeah, so yeah. we're we're doing Mother's Day, um, Mother's Day in the time of in the time of COVID. Um, my mom is in independent living and they are on lockdown. And we just found out uh, yesterday. She's an independent living, but she gets additional extra a la carte care from a in, an in-company called um, Comfort Care. And we just found out yesterday that the, the, the residents that get serviced by Comfort Care, one of the residents has COVID, has the virus. So now they have to, my mom's on, my mom can't even leave her apartment. And she's, they're now doing, hopefully by the weekend, they're going to give um, all of the comfort care residents and staff that service those residents are going to get the test. So um, my mom is 95 and she's a nervous wreck and she's scared. So um, she's telling us all to remind us that she wants to be cremated. <laughs> And so I will be spending um, this Mother's Day, and I'm not looking for sympathy at all, but I'll be spending this uh, Mother's Day. My mom, her apartment's on the main floor, so we'll just do a window visit. We will go in the back and we talk on the phone. And then because my husband and I are practicing um, social distancing big time, I won't see any of my kids. So that's, uh, that's it. How about you guys? Well, Jack still lives here at home, so he'll be here. And um, my middle, my both my older sons, I've heard will stop by. So I've not seen my oldest son since uh, all this started back in March. Um, and of course, he's not working right now. So um, I'm hoping that they'll be able to stop by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. I well um, well my kids are out of state now usually it's I'm usually with one of them for Mother's Day that's kind of my usual practice is to go you know I go alternate years you know one year but not this year <laughs> um, my mom is my mom's doing okay she's in Arizona so she and I you know we always she usually comes in too because we've done Mother's Day you know with with one of the kids but we're not doing that so I will probably um, 
go over to my dad and see my stepmom and um, sit on, if it's nice, I'll sit on the patio and have a glass of wine with them. Um, if not, um, I'll just, you know, they've been, you know, they've been like Teresa and Phil, I haven't really done too much. So, um, and I've been really careful as well. So I'll go over and I'll see them, you know, I may not stay, but I know like my grandmother, she has told everybody she doesn't want anybody to come and see her you know, even stand outside the window. Cause we just told her we would stand outside the window like Teresa does. And he's like, no, just in case any of the people in my apartment complex aren't practicing, you know, the right way. I don't want anybody to get, it would just, she would be so upset if anybody got sick. So, so yeah, so, so I'll just be hanging out here, <laughs> you know, doing a self care Sunday for me. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I mean, there's worse things. You know, I'll be able to see. I'll be able to see everybody, just not be able to hug them. So mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Penny, Penny, when Penny brought up the idea of um, the theme for Mother's Day, if I understood your, um, you had suggested, um, if I understood it correctly, a memory of our mother or. A mother's story. You had said a mother's story. I actually was just writing down some of the um, myths of the the lady consorts. So I wasn't actually thinking of <laughs> our moms. Of getting mm -hmm. personal, but that's that's my mo. So. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, well, tell us a Jenny story. Yeah, tell us a Jenny story, Teresa. Well, if okay, if I'm going to tell a Jenny story, then you guys tell just maybe a sweet memory about your mom. Oh, okay. Can right. do a sweet memory? Um, I can do that. I think I got one tucked away somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to tell the story where I accidentally got my mom high on edibles at, <laughs> at the age of <laughs> yes, 90, yes. 92. We'll save that for another podcast, but um, I'm a good one. It was a really a good one. But I just remember as a kid, um, I just remember my mom having the ability. I mean, she grew up she grew up in the depression. She grew up very, very poor. Her father died when she was a teenager. And then her brother, who should not have gone to World War II because he was the sole provider of his mom and three sisters, and he was killed in World War II. Mm -hmm. But I remember them, my mother had the ability to make these gourmet meals out of absolutely nothing. I mean, what restaurants sell now as a delicacy for them was survival. Um, so she, she could just, I mean, she could look at the cupboard or the fridge and she could just whip together this amazing meal. And the other memories I have of her is, um, she used to go to Hudson's. It was Hudson's at the time. And she would buy a dress for us girls. She would buy one dress and she would bring it home and copy it, sew it, and then bring it back when she was done copying it. And, um, it just amazed me how fast she could whip a dress together I mean at Easter we were just we were just really well dressed at Easter when people used to dress up for Easter so, so those are my memories some of my memories from Penny? Penny? oh Penny okay I, that jarred one for me I mean um my mom is an accountant and she is very analytical and uh her tongue must be one centimeter long because that woman will not speak out of turn. She's so, uh, she might cluck her tongue, but she won't say anything out of turn. I've learned, I've learned a lot from that. Um, and I, 
as I got older, I really appreciated that a lot. But um, growing up, especially um, in a poor family, we were poor when I was really little. Um, my mom would sew for us, sew clothing for us, which wasn't a cool thing back then when everybody else was wearing Levi's and Nikes. So, um, but then when I got in high school, I started to turn it to my advantage and I'd be like, oh, there's a dance on Saturday night. I need a blue skirt and I need this material and a blouse. And you know, that stuff would be there on Saturday night before I uh, go out to the dance. So she, she was always willing to go that extra mile and she's very creative and I just really appreciate all that she is. That's sweet. That is sweet. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. That is sweet. My mom, Jan. I think you both met Jan. Yeah. <laughs> she's, been on, she's been on the podcast. Yeah, she's been on the podcast. Um, you know, I mean, my mom, too, when, when, when we were little, she used to make my sister and I, like, Teresa said, Easter and Christmas, and we always had a new outfit. And so I remember um, the first time we were going on an airplane, it was 1975. So I was nine, I think. And um, she made us like, <laughs> literally made us our our clothes for the for the trip. You know, we had a few store bought items, but she made my sister and I matching. We had pants and blouses and jackets to go on the plane. You know, when you used to get dressed up to go on a plane. You know, this was a big deal going on a plane in 1975. This was a big deal. And so we had all we had. Um, I had a green one. My sister had blue. And then she had made us like sundresses, all of this for her trip to Florida. And like your mom's, I mean, she could just like whip it up. Yep. I mean, so many of the, the clothes that I had my first pictures taken in, probably until I was maybe five or six, my mom had made most of those dresses. And um, my sister and I always had little jackets and, you know, we got a hat or boots or shoes or whatever. But I remember that. I remember that quite a bit. And um, yeah, my mom's great. She's, she's, She's my best friend. She's amazing. Aww, that's sweet. She is. I do. I look at her and um, and all the big, the beautiful, strong women I have in my life, and I'm very blessed. You know, I have lots of mother figures. You know, I mean, I have a stepmom. I have Teresa. I have Penny. I have sisters, and um, I have a lot of women. You know, not just mothers that are just very important. And um, yeah, and I'm very grateful for that. Grateful that for that every single day. Yeah. So speaking for myself, um, did the seamstress gene skip a generation or? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, <laughs> didn't get that one. <laughs> I wish I would. I mean, I could, I mean, I did learn how to use a sewing machine. I mean, I could hem and I could, you know, buttons and stuff, but I just never, you know, I just never learned how to sew. So I cre creatively is not, I don't, that's not my, that's not my forte, you know, I guess not like that anyway, but. I wish I did because, man, I would just be living in some fun clothes right now, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. You, yes. have other, you have other gifts. You have other gifts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. Well, I've, um, been, I've been sewing masks and scrub caps. Um, so that's actually been helping me keep my sanity. So mm -hmm, my, my dining room table is has become a um, assembly line, and there's just... There's thread and bits of fabric everywhere in my house, and I don't care. <laughs> Nobody's coming over. Don't no. worry. Just don't care. So, um, those are sweet stories. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So, Penny, tell us a little bit about um, these, these deities. Oh, actually, I have a, a different story I was going to tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
because I started looking at the deities and I'm like, well, the, those are just kind of like him and her story. stories. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink, yeah. <laughs> but um, so uh, all the cultures around the world have different creation stories, but Korea has this story of the Mago Castle. And um, it really shows how humanity's resistance to oneness really came about. So according to the story, a long time ago, we all lived together in harmony with each other and the earth. And we all drank directly from a special milk provided by Mago, which is the Korean equivalent of Mother Earth. And then one one day, uh, the lines to drink the milk became too long. Sound familiar? And so one human decided (laughs) trying to eat something else. And he popped a delicious looking grape into his mouth and he was just amazed. Like for the first time he tasted the sweet and the tangy flavor of something other than Mago's milk. And it ignited this um, like craving in him to find all of his senses. And then all of a sudden all the other humans are joining in. They're becoming absorbed in the pleasures of life and their senses and forgetting about Mago altogether. And soon they begin to even perceive one another differently. Oh, you like grapes? I don't like grapes. I like oranges. And they begin to quarrel and bicker. And uh, since that time, humanity's been longing to return to Mago Castle, but we've been unable to transcend all of our differences because we're obsessed with our five senses and we remain caught up in this us versus them. You're doing it right. I'm doing it right. You're doing it wrong. And we're all very egocentric. And it makes us feel very separate, which can be really hard, especially when we are separated, right? So if we can just remember first what our belly button really is. It's the remnant <laughs> of it's the remnant of your umbilical cord, right? Yeah, that right. literally connected you to your mother. Mm-hmm. Every single human being on earth arose through this connection. And you receive sustenance from your mother through this cord, as she did through your grandmother. And we can trace it all the way back to our ancestors. So we can really say that our belly button is the point of our creation, right? And our connectedness with all of our infinite potential and self-awareness. And we can remember who we are when we think about our belly button, whether we have a good relationship with our mom or not right, where we came from and what we can become. And that energetically, we kind of have this belly button. So we think of the students at the uh, studio and how we're kind of missing that connection right now and how we're all connected through that belly button of a place in our community. And it's, and it's okay that we're thinking about that, but I look forward to us all getting back together so that we can have that energy mm-hmm. that connects us, that brings us together, and is the real milk that sustains and energizes us, right? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna cry. That was beautiful. <laughs> I know. That's a beautiful story. Thank you. And I think I mean podcast is good to me. We're good. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> really? You're gonna leave it at belly button, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's true. I mean, yes, we're all we're we're all connected. We're all this I mean, in what we're going through right now, just it's it's affected the whole world in in every single human being. It's affected everyone in one way or another. Everyone's been affected. Um, and my husband and I were talking about this the other day. Even even 
rich people, it's affected them in some some way, mm -hmm. in some way. And I don't think there's ever been anything in my lifetime that has affected everybody like this. And um, it just reminds me that we're all, we're, you know, years ago, I had the pl pleasure to um, go see the Dalai Lama in when he was in Wisconsin. And one of the um, venues, I got to see him twice. One was a big venue and one was a more intimate venue. And he had some other speakers with him. And he was just, he does giggle, by the way, when everybody, <laughs> he definitely does laugh and giggle. He's a happy guy. But he was just saying, he says, someone asked him about religions, all the different religions. And he started laughing. He goes, we're all the same. We're the same. We're all the same. And um, this crisis, I think, hopefully has reminded people that we are all the same. Yeah, and I think how much we, how much we truly, we need each other. You know, we don't need all the stuff that we have. You know, I mean, the, the stuff's not going to, can't get a hug from it. You know, I mean, you can't sit and have a cup of tea. You know what I mean? It just, that's what I've realized is that how much I need how much I, I love that connection that I have with, with my family and with, you know, my friends and the students, um, how much we need that. You know, I mean, like, you know, Penny said, you know, we're just, we're so egocentric. We forget that we need other human beings, you know, in our lives. And I think this is definitely, I mean, you know, there's some really crummy stuff that's happened throughout this. I was watching the news over the weekend. I'm like, you know, people are just, I don't know. I I don't want to talk about that. But anyway, um, just we need each other. We're all like you know we're all connected. We're all the way back. You know. I mean, and I love that story, Penny. That was that was amazing. That was really amazing. Years <clears throat> ago, I don't even know how long ago this was, but there was uh, in the news was how um, oh my gosh how some of the, an orphanage. I don't want to say the country in case I get it wrong. I don't want to pick on the wrong country. But they realized that these babies in, in a European country in orphanages were dying because of lack of human contact, failure to thrive. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, this situation right now kind of sort of reminds me of that term, just because we do, it's like senior citizens are the same thing. Senior, senior citizens rarely get touched or hugged, you know, especially if they're, they live alone, like where my mom lives. I mean, there's people there that never, ever get visitors. Who hugs mm -hmm. them? Who touches them? Who, who wipes their tears away? So when we don't have that, um, we don't have that motherly human contact, whether it's by a woman, man, or child, when we don't have that motherly contact, it's, it's, it affects us all. It affects us all. So, mm -hmm. Very much so. So we will have that phone ringing in the podcast, by the way. So just everyone who's <laughs> listening, there's no way I can edit that or we can edit that out. So that's what it was. The phone was ringing. So. Didn't even hear it. <laughs> I didn't hear it either. I've got a man walking around behind oh. me. So. <laughs> we, 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 we have a landline. We, we've, we've still kept our landline because... Um, Sometimes where we live, the cell service is horrendous, mm -hmm. and we just we need we need the landline, and all we get are you know uh, soliciting and ro auto robocalls and everything. But anyways, so all right.
Quan Yin. Tell me about her. Anybody? What do, what do I have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you <laughs> what do you have about Quan Yin? Quan Yin is um a bodhisattva. A bodhisattva is someone who becomes well, there a bodhisattva is someone that becomes enlightened for the benefit of the world, but a bodhisattva is also someone who postpones or puts their enlightenment on hold to help the world. And Kuan Yin, I'll, I, she's, I see her in a lot of my emails that I'm getting, a lot of teachings and everything, because um, Kuan Yin cries, how do, how do, she has compassion for the world. She hears the cries of the world. That's what Kuan Yin hears the cries of the world. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, she's very motherly and, and compassionate and yeah, so she she's was a, a um, it, she's a Chinese myth, a Buddhist myth, mm -hmm. uh, where a king had uh, three three daughters, and he was really hoping to marry them all off to be well off, right? That's what everybody wanted back then. Um, <laughs> but his youngest daughter had, you know, this different idea. She wanted to become a Buddhist nun. Can you even imagine if your dad was the king and you're like, no, I want to be a Buddhist nun? Um, she wanted to really follow um buddhism cultivate her spirituality and once wanted to bring salvation to the world that was her her big thing but um the king wasn't going to have anything to do with it if she wasn't going to get married and he exiled her so apparently years later um he becomes deathly ill like on his deathbed and an old monk visits him and says to be cured you have to ingest a potion distilled from the arms and eyes of one who is willing to give them freely. So desperate, right? The king implores his two remaining daughters, please help, please help. And uh, they're like, no, thank you. And then finally the monk says, well, on top of the mountain lives a bodhisattva of compassion. Send a messenger to her, plead for her deliverance. So the wandering monk that he was talking about proved to be none other than his daughter, Kuan Yin. So after all of her time up on the mountain, she did finally become a bodhisattva. She heard of her dad's problems and she went, um, when the monk came up to see her, she offered her help. There wasn't anything that was gonna stop her from helping and she scooped out her eyes and cut off her own arms and the monk takes them back and he makes a potion out of them for the king. Um, and he is cured pretty amazingly. Mm -hmm. um, the king's grateful that the monk was able to find somebody to do it for him. And he said, no, you, you thank the person that made the sacrifice to you. So the king went up to the mountain and saw his daughter, um, shocked to see her preaching, if you will, to thousands of followers without arms and without eyes. And so he started crying <laughs> and she started crying. And um, he, took, he takes his daughter back into his life. but. Um, really, it is her compassion and her giving, you know, her selfless giving, right, mm -hmm. that makes her hear the cries of the world, mm -hmm. and she's willing to weep for us and pray for us and, and be with us. That's what I know about her. That's <laughs> Works for me. Works for uh -huh. me. Um, yeah. I know there's lots of stories with her, but that's, I know that basic first story. I was um, way back when, when I first got into, you know, teachings and, you know, 
Buddhism, the, the term Bodhisattva was explained to me simply as someone who becomes enlightened for others. And recently I read a more modern version of it is a Bodhisattva is an ordinary person who acts like a true adult. And <laughs> Perfect. But that, that okay. instantly brought to mind all the frontline workers that we have. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, the medical, but the grocery store and, the, you know, the UPS guy who was here three times today. Um, <laughs> just, it's just all, we have all these bodhisattvas among us. And to me, the people, the people too that, um, the people too that are taking this seriously, to me, you know, are also like, you see your grandma. Cindy, you know, she's, yeah. to me, she's a bodhisattva. Yeah. yeah, she's not, she's like, no, they said not to, I'm not doing it, you know, yeah. which, yeah. you know, which I think is good. And there's a lot of people who are just being, I don't know, to me, it just seems a little reckless, you know, to just be wandering around. I mean, you know, when I'm in a store, I put a mask on, when I go to the gas station, I, you know, wear my gloves and, you know, I mean, I'm doing all the things and there's just some people out there just being a little reckless and it's just, again, forgetting that we're all connected and they, you know, they say one person can infect 40 people. And if you just, you know, the exponentially way that goes. And so again, just kind of keep, we'll get through it. it it's not going to, you know, it's not been fun and it's not going to be fun. We still have a lot of time left in this, but you know, just be, I don't know, do the right thing, you know, right. be, be an adult, be an adult. Hey, the next time you see someone being reckless, just say, hey, we're all connected by the belly button, people. What's the matter with you? <laughs> right. Or else you'll turn into Kalima, right? Oh, what a good, <laughs> Penny, what a nice. great segue. That was nice perfect. segue right into Kalima. Yeah. Right into her. Mm -hmm. go, go ahead. What do you guys know about Kalima? Uh, um, I'm going to go say ahead. quickly, I'm going to say quickly. If anyone's not familiar with Kalima, you need to Google her because the first thing you need to do is see what, of course, you're going to see different interpretations of what she looks like, mm -hmm. but none of them are flattering and they're <laughs> scary. They're frightening. they're frightening. So, so whoever's listening to this, stop it. Go Google images of Kalima and then come back when you're ready after you're frightened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's badass. She's yeah. badass. You know, she's gonna keep she takes care of stuff when, uh, when the dudes can't, right? Yeah. <laughs> or I like to think of her as a mama bear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're all moms. So we all know that, you know, it's like, hey, you're coming after my cubs. Hold on a second. I got this under control. Yeah. I was, uh, I was listening, um, they were interviewing this woman who, oh, actually, I think she's from Jackson, Michigan. One of the, the news programs was interviewing this woman from Jackson, Michigan, who, who has been collecting diapers and baby stuff formula for families in need during this time. And the, the interviewer asked her, you know, why she's doing it. And I'm paraphrasing. And the woman said, because women are strong and we get things done. And I said, you go girl, you, you go girl. And it's just, we have that, that mama bear approach. We're, we're Kali Ma. I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at a picture of Kali, she's usually just depicted as being 
either very dark blue or black, terrifying look on her face, four arms, the necklace of um, 108 heads, that doesn't scare you. The skirt of arms. Um, skirt of arms. arms. Yeah. And then she, who, do, who does she have her foot on? She has her foot on. Um, she's got, that's her husband. On Shiva. Yeah, on yeah. Shiva, yeah. Um, and yeah. then she has four arms. I don't remember. One arm's a saber, one arm's a skull or head. One yeah. arm's, I can't remember what the other two arms are. I'm looking but, at a picture of her. One arm's a plate collecting the blood from the dripping oh, yeah. head. <laughs> So yeah. she gets a bad rap because when you first look at her, she's all like, holy moly, this girl's scary. But then when you learn about her, she's, she is the destroyer of evil. Mm -hmm. So she's mm -hmm. not evil. She's the des destroyer of evil. Yeah. She's just, she's a protector. She's the, you know, the goddess, what do they say here? She's the goddess of time, creation, destruction, and power. So like you said, she's just, she's just getting it done. You know, she's getting it done. It, it reminds me of you hear, when you hear stories of um, a mother, you know, when a child, some, their child's in danger, this mother just, you know, this unbelievable strength comes into this mother and she can lift cars or she can do stuff like that. And that reminds me of Kali. It's, it's, I don't think... My, my oldest son, who has a one-year-old now, and about a couple months into the, the baby must have been a couple months old. And again, he's my son, but I, he didn't give birth, but he's a good parent. And I said to, to Keith, I said, do you understand now how much I love you? And he says, I get it. He goes, I get it. Mm -hmm. And it's that mother's love. It's like, it's like, you know, Kali getting angry, you know, destroying evil, getting angry. You have to, sometimes... Um, my one teacher used to tell me that sometimes you have to get angry, but you have to get angry at evil. You have to get angry at, at people who aren't, who are, aren't good. You have, sometimes you have to get angry. And I think that's what Kali does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, all those stories about the fierceness of the um, female deities are either really sweet and have wonderful <laughs> qualities or they're really, really fierce. And you got to think about the time when these stories are being created, how women didn't have rights at all, right? So they would all sit around the fire and be like, make up these badass stories of if I was a woman, if I was able to do something, this is what I would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a story. I have a story about Kali. Yay! Okay. It's just a short one. Just a short one. Um, um, Kanandi is Kanandi is the wife, and um, her husband is a merchant, and he blows all of their fortune on a prostitute. Now a lot of like, a lot of uh, our deities come like in different stories, right, with different names and everything. So it's Kali in disguise, if you will. So he loses all respect from the village, but his wife stands by him. You know, so what's she gonna do, right? And uh, he realizes he's messed up and he wants to start over. So he says to her, will you give me one of your golden anklets? And he asks her for a few of her other possessions so that he can go into town and sell them. And as he does that, he's trying to sell this beautiful golden anklet. And it looks like the anklet of uh, a queen and he's accused of stealing it and he's put to death. So now Kanandi is a widow, which is even worse. Than being married to a man that's seen a prostitute, if you can imagine. 
Um, and um, she starts to rage and it starts to bubble up in her and it comes up into the surface and finally she's just like blue in the face and she goes to the king and she shows that the anklet was actually one of hers. And the king apologizes, but you know, he can't bring her man back. And she continues to rage further and further until she's out of control and she like Kali pops out with these four arms and all this mess. And she goes out into the village square and she tears her breasts off, which is, you know, what is maternal and giving in the world. And she doesn't want that anymore. And she tears it off of her body and she starts to throw her breasts into the town and it burns up the whole town and everybody dies. And that's how Kali. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a, it's an inferno and there's no turning back from it. But I think there's a lot about rage and um, stuff that you can learn from that too. But that that um that fierceness the ferocity of women that maybe we poke mm -hmm. down so much that when we think back to those stories about our moms i think we all know how strong our moms mm -hmm. are oh. oh yeah 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 and and us as mothers i mean we are all very strong women i mean you know we've been all been through all kinds of things that others can't imagine um and you know what you know, somebody would said, you know, you think your problems are bad. Well, you know, go live somebody else's for a few minutes and you'll take yours back at any time. You know, right. it's just the fact that, you know, we've learned um, through raising our children and being daughters and being mothers and, you know, sisters and um, yeah, the, 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 the fierceness that you will protect your own and, and the, and what you want from them, you want them to be compassionate. I mean, I, you know, when, when my kids were little, all I really wanted them to be was compassionate and productive human beings. I didn't care if you got a PhD. I didn't care if you made them, you know what I mean? I just wanted them to be good, honest, hardworking humans. That was really my only expectation. And they both, you know, they're both great kids. And I think my mom was the same way with us, you know, and, and I mean, my mom, there were a couple times that, yeah, she protected us like a lion like a lioness. I mean, you know, and we've all, I'm sure, had that with our kids and somebody, you know, was smack talking one of your kids and you just go beat up a 14 year <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh no, no, this is not happening, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, we, like Penny said, I mean, we as women have been taught to be nice and to be soft and to be pretty and to not, you know, be angry there's nothing wrong with being angry as long as you're angry for the right reasons you know or angry at the right you know thing i mean people not doing the right thing you know it makes you angry when you see people just disregarding other people's safety and that makes me crazy right now i mean just it, it just makes me crazy let's do the right thing you know it was explained to me once that um these deities um our, our characteristics, these deities, are representation of characteristics that we all have within ourselves, that these qualities. So it's like, you know, now we have to, we have to call on our, our Kuan Yin, we have to call on our Kalima to, you know, just to, to get the job done. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we're strong and we, we get the job done. And I'm not trying to be sexist or anything, but it's like, you know, even there's that old saying, you know, behind every man is a strong woman. Well, maybe you need to put that strong woman in front once in a while, you know. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, and step into, I mean, like you, Teresa, you, you know, you, you run a yoga studio and now you said, and you're going to take your energy and you're redirecting and you're making masks and scrub caps and, you know, you're looking into what's going to be the safest way to, to, to get the studio up and running with the safety for the, for the students and for the teachers and what's fair, um, what's responsible. And I, I think as, as women, you know, we, we want fair and responsible. And, you know, now, you know, like our generations, we're not afraid to kind of stand up and go, no, not doing that. This is what I think is the best thing to do, you know, and, you know, we can credit our moms for instilling that, you know, that confidence in us when we were growing up and, you know, um, you know, showing us that, you know, we can be strong women, we can be strong and, still be soft. We can be, you know, fierce and loving. We can be all of, all of those things at the same time. And it's okay. Yin and, you know, yin, like, and yin, yin and yang. Yeah, yeah. Like Teresa said, sometimes a woman's got to stand up front, you know, <laughs> and get to be support staff for a minute, you know? Yeah. 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 And Penny lives in a house full of boys. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking today actually that that was probably a good thing. I'm not a strong feminist. Um, mm -hmm. I had hints of it growing up, but I'm not a strong, I'm like, I don't follow a feminism um, doctrine or anything like that. Um, I kind of am a little more subservient isn't the right word. What am I trying to say? Moderate. Yes moderate maybe moderate um but probably it's a good thing that i have all these men in my life so that i'm not like <laughs> wacko off the one side of it all being yeah. a <laughs> feminism for all you know because we do make, need the men in our lives i just feel like yeah um, we do when we think about mother's day you know like the stories today that we can have the fierceness through our connectedness because mm -hmm. we are stronger together when we remember mm -hmm. that we're all in the same boat mm -hmm. and we can have fierceness through compassion and have compassion for the whole world there's enough compassion to have for the whole world and, and turn away from your own troubles and just for a moment send that out into the world and if we do that fiercely like hollywood you know mm -hmm. maybe maybe we're being paying homage to the ancestral moms in all of us Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Being homage to the ancestral moms. Yeah. I mean, you know, we just, we've all been, I mean, we know we've all been blessed. I mean, we've had trials and tribulations and, you know, our, our mothers did, our grandmothers did, you know, and, and back and, but there is enough compassion for everybody. Like Penny said, there, there really is. And you don't, and just because you're a compassionate and, and empathetic human being doesn't mean you're weak. And I think sometimes that we, we think that compassion and empathy is weakness and it's not it's actually the biggest strength it's courage you know to have that for other humans agreed happy mother's happy day mother. you guys happy mother's day happy, happy mother's, mother's day, day everybody happy ciao, mother's day, everybody. <laughs> ciao. ciao.